Gentlemen, welcome to the Alpha M Podcast. Wherever you are right now listening to this, I want to thank you for your support. In this podcast, you'll get my views on lifestyle, self-improvement, and business, all in an aim to unlocking your confidence and helping you feel the best you can every day of your life. Also, at any time during this podcast or if any of my videos have helped you in the past, please feel free to leave a rating and a review on the platform you're listening to this. Five stars, of course, would be awesome, but I'll leave that up to you. Every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. So lock in and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Mr. Wonderful here with a really unique episode of Ask Mr. Wonderful. You know, because we talk about entrepreneurship so much and the journey and the, talent, the challenge of doing it, I thought we'd bring on someone who's actually been on Shark Tank not once, twice. This guy's a crazy chicken, and even to talk yourself on a Shark Tank twice is impossible, so he's done it, and who knows, he might be the only person that could come on three times, but he's got the energy. I'll let him introduce himself, and then we're gonna take a whole bunch of questions from Ask Mr. Wonderful viewers, but we've got an entrepreneur here extraordinaire, Aaron. Kevin, thank you so much. No problem. So my name is Aaron Marino. I have the YouTube channel Alpha M, and um, basically from this channel, it allowed me to start different verticals and different businesses. I think that at my core, I'm an entrepreneur. It just happened that my business um, that I wanted to basically start from the age of 12 was a fitness center. I knew at 12 years old what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, everything leading up to the point at which I actually opened a fitness center, that's what it was about. From 12 years old, I wanted to help people change their lives. And um, you know, as, as you know, entrepreneurship is not a straight line. And it was, it was the most devastating thing that happened when I had to end up shutting the business down back in uh, 2006. Because poo-poo happens. Well, it happens, and it happened a lot. I think there, there should have been an omen. We signed the lease to our facility on the September 11th. That was pretty much a telltale sign of how everything was going to unfold. But I think that's a very important list for everybody listening because just because you assume success, just because you have the energy, just because you have the desire, doesn't mean it's going to happen for you on the first time. In fact, I believe that entrepreneurs that go through the sting of failure are motivated in a very special way afterwards. And clearly in your case, that's been exactly what's happened because there's been a lot of shit hits you. And somehow, here we are, you're very successful now, which is, I'm so happy to have you on my channel because I want to talk a little bit about that journey. But you actually have a unique amount of aura and energy, and that's the reason that you've been on Shark Tank twice, because when you came on the first time, I thought you were a real dick. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Me? You're the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the idea was so preposterous, the idea that you were gonna sell a style system. 300 bucks. I know, but it, DVDs. You know, I, and the whole idea was so crazy, but because your, your storytelling was so compelling, you actually got people seriously considering it. I nearly had to go down the line to the other sharks and say, look, no one's giving this guy any dough. This is way too crazy. But you were very good at explaining why it might have value to somebody, and that's part of the challenge of being an entrepreneur, to be able to explain your opportunity in a very short, concise period of time, which you were very good at. But after that, you came back, and which is remarkable, and let's talk about that experience. What was that like? First of all, being one, I think it's less than 1% ever get back. Yeah, no, Shark Tank is, is, is amazing. And it, it's, a, it's a shame that, that people don't really understand like what really goes into it. They only see a small window of what happens well, when you're on Well, here's the, a chance for you to tell. It is brutal. <laughs> it is, I mean, and the one thing that you're gonna notice, if I tell you this, it sort of ruins it. 
you, your mouth gets so dry when you're out there. Because you're, you're scared shitless. You're scared right? shitless. Yeah. And so you're there and, and, and lights, camera, action, and there is no stop. There is no, okay, do that again. It's like, go, go, go. And, and you get grilled. And that's what I was not expecting. I was not expecting, even though I've watched it hundreds of times, I was not expecting the questions to be not only as direct and, and sort of cut through all the bullshit. Like it was, this is what it's about, you know, and I wasn't prepared for that. Even though I knew my numbers, I was prepared. And so the first time was kind of a disaster. I was so excited to be on and I knew that I was going to, it didn't matter what you guys said, I knew that I was going to sell a ton of style systems afterwards. And the night the Shark Tank aired, I had all my friends and family there, everybody's there, and I'm sitting there and I had my, my computer out and I was ready to see that, that, that dollar amount just start to, to ring. And I sold one unit the night the Shark Tank aired. Like eight which, million people. Which, by the way, is probably the worst performance <laughs> of any product ever in Shark Tank history. Because the idea sucked. That's why, and I think I told you, because I am Mr. Wonderful, I tell the truth. It sucked, but you came back. But, so, the reality hit me in the face. All right, this is not Thank working. Goodness. This is not working. And so, there I was, about a month later, I knew that I needed a lower price point product, something that every guy needed Yeah, because the deal was 300 bucks, right? Yeah, 300 bucks. Crazy. It was, a, it was an information Shame product. on you, Shame crazy. On <laughs> I sold one, shut up. <laughs> you, so, made, you made hundreds of dollars. Exactly, I did, I made hundreds. And so I was, I was styling my hair when inspiration st struck. My YouTube channel was all about helping guys look and feel great, and hair products were one of those things where I was passionate about and I loved. And so I thought, you know, I'm gonna start a, I'm gonna start a hair product business. And um, it's been sort of a wild ride ever since. Um, the YouTube channel continues to grow. I came back on Shark Tank for the hair product. Um, and nobody wanted to invest in the product. No, because but, first of all, your premise was for men, right? Yes. Which is a brutally competitive space. And everybody's question was the same. What's your customer acquisition strategy? Because you're competing with some of the giants on earth. Some of the biggest companies on earth are in this space and they're beating each other up. And here you are, Aaron, saying, hey, hey, I'm here for a second time on Shark Take. I've got another crazy idea. Please give me some money. But I gotta, I gotta defend myself for a second. If anybody else would have gone in the Shark Tank, if they, if I didn't have the the backing or the reason I was selling was because of my YouTube channel, if I went in there or an entrepreneur went in there with a business that in two years made a million dollars, it does, and and the margins were great, growing at a fast rate, everybody would have been throwing money at him. But because I had this, well, mechanism, we didn't have the future in front of us. We only had your. Second idea, the first one absolutely sucked. We all remember that. And we're thinking, why is this guy back? The reason you were back is you are tremendously good television, which is a great message to everybody out there. You have such energy and such an aura and the camera likes you so much that the producer said, one more time with feeling from this guy because everybody knows sometimes the second time up at bat is when you hit the home run. And so I did. I, I got a deal with Barbara, but she didn't want to invest in the in the hair product business. Yeah, and because so, she still thought it sucked. No, she didn't think it sucked. She, but she was investing in, in. To your point, she wanted a piece of my my YouTube channel. Now this was. She back. wanted to diversify her risk, is what she wanted, because she didn't. She knew you were great, but she didn't know which one of your ideas was going to hit. Which is fair. I'll speak for her. I would have done the same thing with you. In fact, I would have been much tougher. But the point was that she was saying, "Look, I know something's going to work for this guy because he's got such an incredible amount of energy. I don't know what it's going to be," and that's exactly what happened. So fast forward, 
I didn't end up taking the deal. Um, since then, I've been able to start a few other businesses, um, basically leveraging my my ability to you know communicate and and have a large following. So, on. which ones actually worked? The hair product business worked. It's, uh, it's what are the sales of that thing right now? This past year. Barbara, you bozo, you let that get away? I can't believe it. Shame on you. Man, so, imagine that dog, that piece of poo poo was doing million dollars. That's I didn't think we were gonna get to the numbers. So that was one. Why business. not? I'm all about numbers. That's not, and so that's, that's, that's not, so I have other businesses as well. Um, I don't wanna go into the numbers with all of them. But that's a pretty good number. That's that, a pretty good number for a product that everybody thought was gonna suck. So then my largest business is a skincare company called Tiege Hanley. Yeah. That is a uh, men's skincare subscription business. I have a advertising agency that I started as a result of not being able to sell my, I didn't wanna sell advertising to my channel. I wanted somebody else to do it. And so I hired my best friend from high school, Terry, who is a car salesman, an amazing car salesman. And from moment one, Everything took off in terms of you know sponsorship. So, so just just tease us. What's the big nut? What are you gonna do in sales this year across all this stuff? A lot. Like just give me a number. I mean a lot. Come on. Uh, see see here's where here's where it's... listen a lot is can mean two dollars. It's yeah. more than one dollar. That's yeah. a lot. Or it can mean something substantive. What do you yeah, got? What about you? Like, come on. Listen, <laughs> I'm asking you let's, because let's just you're say... the one that got out of the tank. Yeah yeah yeah. And. I want Barbara to hear just how. Yeah, good it oh, is. you know, eight figures in that, in that, in that. More area. than ten million. More than ten million. More than twenty million. More than we'll just get. Let's just leave it there. We're we're, we're Barbara, doing well. Barbara, Barbara. I'm going to buy you a new broom <laughs> so you can fly here right now to meet Aaron again. New broom for you, exactly. Barbara. Right over here. You can fly. She can fly on a broom. She man. could. Uh, you know what? Love Barbara. But uh, but no. Everything <laughs> everything is great. Um, I am incredibly fortunate that I get to do what I love every day, which is create content. And the fact that, you know, being an entrepreneur and having that in my DNA and my blood, you know, you never know where opportunity and the, you never know which one is gonna work. Exactly. And you gotta keep your eyes open because what- But that's why I'm glad we're here today together because we've got, I, I get thousands of questions from entrepreneurs that were actually at the beginning of your journey. Maybe they failed once, maybe they haven't even started yet. That's why I wanna tap into you today on these Ask Mr. Wonderful questions. I got a bunch of them here, Great. let's listen. And then I want us both to answer them from the different perspectives we have, because you have come out of a hole. You have a little story on this watch before we start, yeah. right? Yep. This is a beautiful Rolex. You know, I'm a watch collector. Yep. I really appreciate that. It's a gorgeous rose gold piece, but it's got an inscription on the back of it. What does it say? Yeah, um, most people, it's funny. Most people celebrate victories or wins or benchmarks in their business by, by buying nice watches or They'll buy a watch to represent some point. Some deal, some, that's some, what some I good, do, some that's good, what I do. Something good. And a celebration of success. I bought this watch when things were bad, in terms of, and, and bad is relative. Because that's not a cheap piece. No, but I, I had my eye on it, and I was going through sort of a low point in terms of emotionally, you know, things with YouTube weren't going in the direction that I wanted, but I bought it to remind myself that as long as I keep trying, as long as I don't stop, It'll get better, and I can do this. And so on the back, I, I, uh, I had inscribed, get to work. And so everybody told me, well, that devalues. It says, get to work. It says, get to work. Figure it out. I, initially, I would have said that would have devalued the watch, except since then, maybe that watch is your lucky timepiece, because look what's happened to you. Exactly. And you look at it every day and you remind yourself what you put on the back of that at, at your low point. I love that story. Watches are about conversations. We just had one, so that's a very successful piece for you. 
Because every time someone looks at it and says, oh, I really like that watch, you can tell them the story of that. Absolutely. That's great. I love it. I love that too, that's great. Let's get to some questions, okay? Because we're gonna have some fun here. I mean, I love the fact that you can relate. And I, I, I've not listened to these questions, so they're- Me neither. So we're, we're ready, <laughs> let's go. Hi, Mr. Wonderful. Big fan of the show and all the great insights you've always given. I'm a 24-year-old recent business school grad working as a business development representative at a fashion tech startup that uses AI to automate the fashion photography process here in New York City. I finished college with more debt than originally planned, around 21000 I want to save and invest in the future so I can start my own business one day. I believe I need to eliminate all my debt before saving and investing and, of course, eventually starting my own business. Do you recommend someone in my, my position to focus all their extra money, their savings, and commissions towards my student debt, or is it advantageous to do a little bit of both, save and invest, as well as pay off the debt, even if it'll take more time? Thanks, Mr. Wonderful. I've always resonated with your story growing up as an expat with you and myself. I love your videos. Any advice would be great. Thanks. You know what's cool about this question? It's in your space. It's in fashion. A little bit. Yeah, but the guy is $21,000 in the hole. He hasn't even brought any revenue in, doesn't have a business yet. What do you tell him? So for me, I think it really depends on, for one, interest rate on that, on that, on that student loan. Call it 7%. 7%. Um, I would probably not wait to start saving for both my, my future in terms of my, my business. It sounds like he's an entrepreneur. He has an idea that he wants to go after. Um, I would pay down the debt, but I think that I would be utilizing my, my funds to try to start that business that I, that I ultimately feel will propel me towards success. But, you know, so, so debt freaks you out is what you're saying. I, I don't have any debt. Once I, I had to file bankruptcy. So you, you felt I felt, happens. oh God. You felt yeah. the, the, the terror of that. There's nothing, there's nothing that takes the fun out of life, like debt and not knowing how you're going to pay your bills. Well said. And, and for me, when I had my fitness center and it was failing, I was taking money off of my credit cards to pay my staff. I mean, it was bad. And at that point, I, had to drive, I was driving a beer cart to put gas in my car at a country club. And here I am, a 30-year-old guy who has a business, a fitness center that I was trying to franchise, and I'm driving a beer cart. And the worst part about it, Kevin, I didn't have a plan B. I'm the type of entrepreneur that I don't have a safety net. I'm plan A all the time, direct, and when that exploded, I had no fucking idea what I was gonna do, and that was the scariest part so, for me. So I totally agree with you, in that I share, I have no debt, zero. And every time my credit card comes in every month, every cent is paid off, because I live in fear of debt. I've been through that too. I didn't get to bankruptcy, but I got very close, and it scared the living shit out of me. And it made me feel unhealthy. It put so much stress on you. So I think both of us giving the same advice, Number one focus is pay down that $21,000, but don't give up your dream. You have an interesting idea in fashion using AI. I love entrepreneurs with disruptive ideas. He's got one, but that debt thing is a real message in that question. It is, absolutely. And, and, and so, to, you know, that's for everybody with, with college debt. It's between six and 7% most of these loans, they kick up to that rate pretty damn fast. And you've got to start focusing, but whatever you're doing, take 20%, 10% and pay it down. There's also, but there's something also exciting about that because he's in this new space and so, you know, there's, with startups, there's, there is that entrepreneurial spirit. And so you know that there, there's also the idea that if this hits, it could hit big. Right. But there's also a tremendous amount of risk. It may not hit. Exactly. The risk with a startup or something that's unproven, you know, everybody's looking for that exit. And I really think that with certain businesses, you really just need to be smart and disciplined with 
the way that you spend your money and not think that and not assume that it's going to hit super big. And so just be careful, pay your debt down because being debt free is the most liberating feeling you'll ever have. Well said. Let's get another question here. I'm Sorry, am I, am I talking more than you? No, Kevin? I'm cool with it. <laughs> I, I love the fact that we're doing this together because at the end of the day, you've lived that ride. You've gone through it. And so this is great advice. I'm sorry to interrupt this episode, but today's episode is brought to you by Enemy.com. I've always said that the ultimate accessory to level up your style is sunglasses, but the issue I always found was I had two options. Number one, I'd buy a pair of cheap sunglasses at the store, they'd break shortly after, and then I'm back to shopping again. Or, number two, I'd buy a high-quality designer pair, but I'd have to spend over $300. I saw a real need for high-quality premium sunglasses that look badass but rival any other sunglass brand out there without a premium price tag. I launched Enemy.com to solve this problem, offering premium quality sunglasses without the premium price tag. Our custom-designed sunglasses feature Zeiss Optic lenses, the best lenses in the market. We use spring hinges for extra durability. Every frame is made with Italian mozzacholi acetate, so they really do look premium, and we use 100% UVA and UVB protection for ultimate eye health. We also keep it simple for you, three styles that are timeless but suit every face shape. And if you're worried about size, we offer our unique perfect fit guarantee with free shipping and returns in the U.S. Instead of paying $300 for this level of quality, we sell direct to you and have cut out the additional cost most sunglasses companies charge. A pair of enemies costs just $95, and you get 15% off today using the code PODCAST15. So head over to enemy.com, choose your style, use the code PODCAST15, and get 15% off today. Don't just take my word for it, check the reviews. Let's listen to this one. Again, I've never heard these questions, so I love the fact they're just cold turkey. Hey, Mr. Wonderful. Joe here. Huge fan. You're my favorite shark. I was just wondering what you do when the woman you love will never love you back. Thanks, Mr. Wonderful. Whoa, Joe, baby. <laughs> You know, this is a good question. It's a great question. You know, I'll tell you something. In life, when you fall in love with somebody and they don't return that, that can be a bad affliction because it really drags your energy down. But at some point, you have to be honest with yourself, particularly when you have that conversation with them. Say, look, is there any chance between the two of us? All of us have been there. People try and say, oh, it's never happened to me. Bullshit. It happens to everybody. But that makes you realize they're not your partner. They're not there for you. They don't love you back. And that's just the nature of love. It's a bitch that way. But you have to have that conversation with him. This is my advice to Joe. And say, look, I really have some strong feelings for you. But if you, if you can never reciprocate that, this is a Bonnie Raitt song, by the way. It's a classic, which she professes her love to somebody, and they're never going to love her back. Broke her heart. What do you do? Joe, my advice to you is you got to be honest. The fact is you are amazing, right? You're an incredible guy and you're going to make some woman the luckiest woman ever. But one of the issues that we fall into as men is that we do get sort of tied in and, and preoccupied with that one person, right? And really it's because of something that we can't have, right? The truth is you need to read the writing on the wall and, and it's time for you to take care of yourself and understand that you're never ultimately going to find that perfect person that's out there for you until you are able to shut the door on, on this, this person that, that obviously is not worthy of your love and affection. Do you think as you get a little older, Aaron, that you understand the pitfalls of love and you start to realize, I don't want to drag myself. Maybe you, maybe you become more of an oyster. You protect your emotions because they know how much it hurts. But if you've never been hurt, you can never really fall in love. Absolutely. That's the issue. That's the issue. So I think for Joe, 
you got to write this one off and you got to move on. Aaron has the right advice there. There's always another fish in the ocean somewhere. By the way, is she really smoking hot? That's breaking your heart. That's the problem. <laughs> you, know, you know, usually that's. Usually there's something. Yeah. I'll never meet someone that hot. You will. You absolutely will. You will, Joe. It's. <laughs> you will. Oh, uh, that's that's a tough one. Okay, here we go. Number three. I'm having fun. Are you? I'm having a blast. This is great. All right, here we go. Hi, Mr. Wonderful. Thanks for taking my question. I wondered, uh, when do you know, when is it a good time to add a co-founder to your company? And how much do you offer them? I have a company that I started about a year ago, um, and I think I, I'm ready to add a co-founder to the company, but not sure how much I should offer them. Um, and so I thought I would ask you, Mr. Wonderful. Thanks so much. You know, it's a great question. Well, is it a really a co-founder? Is, is it really a co-founder? She no, it isn't. It. It's a partner. She's exactly. talking about. But I mean, here's the real debate that I've learned. You know, you're really good at some things and not good at others. Every entrepreneur is exactly that way. So I'm I'm a good sales marketing person. I hate logistics and manufacturing. It bores the shit out of me. But without that skill set, I can't really scale. So along the way in my businesses, I've always found someone who can make up for my weaknesses. And I've made them partners by giving them equity. They're not really co-founders, as you've said, but in order for them to stick through the hard times and really suffer the pains and slings and arrows of building a business, you gotta give them a piece of the action. That's the way I look at it. So if you are actually growing and it's working and you realize you have weaknesses, you've gotta find someone else to fill those holes. Now maybe you can find employees, we're gonna to have to pay them a lot. I prefer to have people with skin in the game Soldiers beside me, we're all fighting the same war together, and we're in for the mission, and we all get the upside. So I think if you're asking me this question right now, and I'm dying to hear what Aaron has to say, I think you're ready for a partner. But make sure you're not greedy. Don't be a greedy pig. Pigs got slaughtered. If you're, if you're giving away equity, make sure it's the right person. Take a long time to make that decision. But together, you'll make a much bigger pie, and that equity will be worth a lot to both of you. What do you say? The one thing I would say, I have some businesses that I have partners in, some businesses that I don't. And there are upsides to both, both scenarios. Um, the one thing I would say, whenever you are considering adding somebody to the team, to something that you're building, your baby, you want to make sure that it's not only the right fit now, but it's the right fit moving forward. And what I mean by that is, I think too often people are thinking I need to give away too much too soon and they think it's, you know, it, it has to vest like immediately. I would say that in this scenario, find somebody that is going to add value, that's going to fulfill or fill the voids in which, you know, you're not good at. And, um, and then do it over time, do it gradually. There's nothing wrong with seeing how this person performs because the worst scenario- So give them the equity as they perform. As they perform, have it vest Fair over enough. two years, a year, give them, you know, certain, a little bit of equity, you know, after year one, year two, have different benchmarks. And really, because everybody's gonna sell you how great they are. Everybody is gonna tell you, yeah, I'm amazing. I can do this, I can do that. But the truth is, it's put up or shut up. And in business, you know, talk is cheap. You've got to actually execute. And, and you've got to make sure that the person that has told you how excellent they are at executing is actually able to do it and help your business move forward. And if it's not, well, then that's but, not but the right you're, person. But you're cool with giving a piece of the plan. Oh, absolutely. You see the merit in doing that. Oh, 100%. I, I do too. But I like your strategy. If you, if you layer it in, that's fine. But by that time, it may be more employees. There may be more people that have to share. And that's what options. Generally, companies 
put about 15% of their equity into people that are coming on to grow it. You love to have that problem. If you're actually giving away equity because you need more help, that means you're growing. That's a wonderful outcome. I wish them good luck on that one. It's very cool. All right, let's go to the next one. I'm having so much fun with this. All right, here we go. <laughs> Me too, Kevin. Hi, Mr. Wonderful. My name is Tara, and I was wondering if you could give me, well, me and my husband, a little bit of advice on dressing for job interviews. We're both actually interviewing at new companies this month, and neither of us have been in the job interview game for, for probably five years or more. I've heard that wearing a suit and tie or a blazer and heels for a woman used to be the way to go, but that some new companies can think that you're stuffy or won't fit the job culture. Um, yeah, we would love your advice. Is it better to overdress or is it better to be cool and approachable? Um, you're always fashionable and I know you've talked a lot about dressing for your job before, so we would love to get your advice. Thank you. Well, Tara, you've come to the right place. I have the fashionista <laughs> man right beside me here. Aaron, I'm going to let you take a stab at this one. Sure. She's raising a really good question for both men and women. Yeah. They're back in the job market. They want to look sharp. They want to win the job, basically. Yep. I think the, the, the first thing you need to do is do your research. Figure out what the corporate culture is like at the, the place that you're actually applying for. Because one of the issues, if you're going to like a, a cool like tech startup, I, I really feel like it does, to some degree, depend on... The, the, the business that you're actually going and applying for. Um, and so do your research. So if, it, if it's a cool tech startup in the Valley, what are you saying? You're gonna be a little hipper in terms of what clothing you're wearing? I think you a little more f free? You don't have the pressure to dress. It might not require a suit and tie, a, 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 a something super professional. Yeah. It might be a business casual, or a business casual type of environment. Um, but I always would say err on the side of overdressing versus underdressing 100% of the time. Um, that is your one shot, and your employer knows that it doesn't get any better than right now. Like, this is the best. If you are going in for an interview, you know that if this person didn't shave, if you know this person didn't, you know, didn't wear pantyhose or whatever the situation is, it's never getting any better. And so I would say that you, if you want to dress and be cool and hip later, that's fine. That's for HR to work out. But right now, you need to be respectful of the position you're going after, but also do your due diligence in identifying what the corporate culture is. Because if you go in in a three-piece suit and it doesn't require that, you may be overdressing for the potential job or interview. It's, it's a great answer. I'm going to take a stab at it, too, because I actually interview a lot of people. And, and I've learned that the, the key words you just brought up there, Aaron, you only get a first time to do a first impression, only once. That only happens once when you walk in that room and you look at each other. So clothing is really interesting because it, it's different for men and women. Men have fewer choices, particularly if you're going for a job in financial services. What's happened on both the East and the West Coast over the last five years is the tie has come back as a sign of respect that you care. If you're in the financial services, you're in an industry of trust and the styles have become very, very clean, and the tie, and also, you know, the, the, the colors have become more muted. It's very interesting to watch that happen. It happens in San Francisco, Los Angeles, I see it in New York, Miami, Chicago, and I travel all those cities. People are looking crisp, clean, and subtle for the, for the side of men. Now, women, this is very controversial because if you look at some of the codes that are now written by large corporations about women's clothing, they're putting in the concept of 
not showing too much chest. They don't want controversial dressing. They don't want it to be flirtatious because of all the Me Too things that are going on in the world, and they're trying to tone down. And believe me, in big companies, people meet each other and stuff happens. That's just men and women doing their thing. But how you clothe, if, it's con if you clothe yourself in a controversial way, that's going to hurt you in a job interview. Are they risking something? That's the employer saying themselves, and they make notes about this stuff. I can guarantee you, and very often they're asking for a picture of you before you show up, just so they can see what you're wearing. Women have to be very careful that they look professional. That's what matters. Whatever that means to you, taking into account your idea about the company you're going to work in, but if you come in with anything controversial, that hurts. And that's why there are dress codes. And that's why companies, as they grow, just past 25 people, HR starts to put in place dress codes because they don't want to cause tension in the workplace. Great question, though. I loved it. Never had one like that before, and good it came when you were on the set. Because you're the fashionista guy. You keep telling me that. You overestimate my ability. Well, come on. <laughs> you told me it twice on Shark Tank, remember? All right. Hi, Mr. Wonderful. This is Andres from Colombia. At the moment, my brother and I have a hamburger and a hot dog business with three outlets. My question is, if it is better to grow slowly or seek funds to grow faster, we're selling over a million dollars a year. We've Whoa. been open for two years only. Thank you. A million bucks in three stands. The kid knows what he's doing. You he can does. live off that. You could. You're probably making about 30% margin on product like that, I would think. You know? Bringing in 300,000. Maybe it's between 200 and 300,000. I'm going to give him that if he's running it. So that's a good question. You first. You go right. nuts, you borrow money to expand, or you just grow slow and steady? So here's the thing that you got to figure out. If you raise money, how are you going to use that money in order to take your business to that next level? One of the big mistakes that I see a lot of entrepreneurs and, and businesses get into is they take money because they think, hey, I need more money but they don't know how they're going to spend it in order to actually generate more revenue. I am a firm believer that you never, you know, it sort of goes back to the whole debt thing. I don't want that on my personal life. I don't want that in my business unless I know if I can use, and you've said this all the time, I just want to add fuel to the fire, right? Or, or cash to the fire and make it burn bigger. Gasoline to the fire. That's what it is. And so unless you know how you're going to spend that money and you've got the, the infrastructure in place in order to be able to scale your business, bigger, stronger, more profitable based on you taking money, I say until you know how you're going to do that, until you have a roadmap of I'm going to spend X, I'm going to get this back, don't take the money. Do not fall into the trap because if you take money from friends and family, they'll let it slide. But once you go into that institutional money, then they're calling you. Then they're like, hey, why aren't you selling 27 more burgers a day? And do you want to answer to those people? That's my question to you. I think it's a great question because clearly they figured out the model. Three stands doing a million bucks. I'm going to say that they're probably making $250,000 pre-tax on that. It can be a pretty good margin business. You're selling direct to the customer cash, so you don't have a lot of credit you have to worry about or bad loans or anything else. What I would do is I would open one more stand using the cash flow of the other th three in a very close geography. In other words, just make it a place that you can actually go visit every day. I love businesses that spin cash and you can live off. I hate debt. So I, it's, it's just what happens is you have to start hiring people relying on them to have the same fire you have that maintain these stands. Sounds like a bit of a family business, which I think is terrific. You don't have to become McDonald's to have a successful business. 
So I would cool it. I'd open one more with the cash you've got, then one after that, grow it slowly, zero debt. That's for other people, not you, my friend, but a great question. Uh, great answer. Yeah. Great answer, Kevin. It's like you've done this before. Yeah, well, I hate debt just like you do. Okay, here we go. One more time with feeling, Aaron. I'm here. What is the biggest deal you made on Shark Tank? There it is. <laughs> That's a simple question, right? Saying no to Aaron. That was my biggest deal. And it was a huge mistake. The guy's rocking around with maybe 20 million in sales. It's more of Barbara's problem. She's the one that missed it. The largest deal in Shark Tank history actually is mine. It's the, the company called Plated. Um, and it's measured by the biggest exit. It was $300 million. They came on Shark Tank, did not get a deal. They were asking for such a ridiculous valuation. Two guys just like you. We ran into them a year later in the streets of New York. They, they told me where they were at, and they said, look, we'd love to get a shark into the deal. And I then did the deal a year afterwards, and that was sold only 24 months after that to Albertsons for $300 million. So they had nothing when they came on Shark Tank. That's the biggest exit we've seen so far in Shark Tank history, but it just shows you the dream is alive. You can come on Shark Tank with a great idea, you know, get an investment from a shark, and together we can use the platform to blow it up big. There's been so many cases of that. And great entrepreneurs show up every day. And, you know, all joking aside, Aaron's probably one of the best examples of what it takes to get on Shark Tank. You need energy. You need, you need to show that you really care and are passionate about the business as he was. And he got on twice. Now, Barbara screwed up. That's her problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to get Barbara two new brooms this year so she can go east-west. That's how it'll work. Listen, it's been great with you today. Fantastic, Amazing. Aaron. Thank it you was so terrific. much, Kevin. This is one of the best episodes so far of Ask Mr. Wonderful. Until next time, keep dreaming big. That's what it takes. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you, Kevin. Good luck, guys. You can do it. Gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, I appreciate your support. Once again, if you found this episode or any of the content I've put out in the past helpful, please leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to this on. Once again, every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. And if you're looking to upgrade your sunglass game, don't forget to check out Enemy.com. Honestly, the quality of these glasses for the price is insane. Just read the reviews. Gentlemen, stay awesome.